I have been thinking about this idea of sexual confusion in our culture, along with this identity crisis that so many, especially young people, are going through. And I've been meditating on this idea for several weeks now. And what I typically do is put these thoughts in my muse chamber and I reflect and meditate and pray. Sometimes I talk it out with someone if they, if I can corner them and they will listen to me. And then at some point in the future, like right now, I begin, I start writing. I'll, I'll begin writing out my thoughts in what I hope is a, a coherent and logical and developing way, and those things become articles on our website. As some of you already know that my articles are my devotionals, I have found that writing historically has been one of the most effective ways to help me in my progressive sanctification. If I can take some thoughts and put it in the muse chamber and and then uh, after a while, start writing it out, or in my case, typing it out. I started typing, and I went from a written journal, handwritten journal, in about 2006 to typing. It was very hard to transition because the process of writing by hand is, is so wonderful and so therapeutic in many ways. Uh, but because of technology, and it's a little bit faster, and of course, you got spell checks and all of that, it was, it, it was more prudent for me to start typing things out. And so as I was thinking about this this idea of sexual confusion and identity crisis and where many of our millennials and Gen Zs and X and whatever their letters are today, where they are, I wanted to put something together that I trust will help them. And also for those of you who are are caring for these people who are legitimately uh, struggling with some big time issues. And so I want to share that with you in the title of this article and the podcast. If you want to listen to the podcast as you do it, if you want to share this podcast with someone else so they can listen to it, you can do that. But if you want to read it word for word, then go to our website, rickthomas.net. By the way, I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. Also, if you would go to the platform where you listen to this podcast, and give us a five-star rating. I would really appreciate it because it helps us to reach more people. And for those of you who listen to our Life Over Coffee podcast, if you would do the same thing, that would be great because, again, the idea is to reach as many people as possible, and these ratings do help us to do that. And so if you go to our website, you can read this article. Here's the title of it, How to Make Sense of Today's Sexually Confused culture. I trust it will serve you personally as well as those that that you bring care to. And as always, if you have any questions, you're welcome to come to our free community forums that are brought to you by those who, who support this ministry financially. And thank you so much for those of you who do support. It used to be that everyone identified as a male or female, and that was based on objective anatomical evidence at a child's birth. Common sense, or it used to be. In the past few decades, what has always been evident to the naked eye is is now fluid. In fact, it, it is TBD, to be determined. And it's to be determined based on other criteria that you can't know until the child becomes an adult. And that's the big idea. You have to wait till you're an adult before you can truly understand who you are. Can you see why there's been such a shift from a lack of confusion, we're male and female, to this sexually confused and identity crisis culture? 
today's sexually confused society, it's not really hard to understand if you interpret the problem through the correct filter. And so what I want to do in this podcast and the article that I have here is I want to give you a way of thinking about this, which I not only hope brings clarity, but I hope it'll bring some semblance of peace and, and collectiveness, uh, togetherness uh, to your soul. The cultural battleground centers on who has authority to teach their version of truth to the youth. That is the big idea. Who is the person or who are the people that's going to indoctrinate the current culture? And whoever that person is and those people are, whatever their worldview is, that's what's going to hold sway. That's, what it's, that's what's going to have influence over these young lives. Historically, Christians have held firm that there is authoritative and absolute truth found in the Bible. The counter-argument is that Christians believe in fairy tales and they have wrongly interpreted and misapplied the Bible. And so right there you have the juxtaposition of two antithetical forces the counterculture has always has had an opposing argument to the truth claims of the Bible. During the early hours of Genesis, an alternate view emerged, as you can read about if you wish, in Genesis 3-6, where Satan confronted Eve, and, and there was this transaction there, exchanging the truth of God for uh, Satan's lie. Humanity has never believed in one source of truth or one argument for who has authority over their lives. They've never believed that Christians have the source of truth, and they hold the argument, and they have authority. And the proposition that is predominantly accepted, whoever has this power, this influence, they will always hold sway over people's lives. And again, historically, that's always been a Christian worldview here in America, but that's not the way it is anymore. And the equation is, you can, you can connect the dots here because of this rejection of God and the truth claims of the Bible. I mean, it's not a coincidence that there is so much sexual confusion and these identity crises that so many people are having. And so this concept about who is the authority, it's why the educational gatekeepers, they are the ones who shape and steer a generation it's the person who can build the infrastructural presuppositional filter. The person who does that, they will begin to they will control the person. Depending on what your presuppositional filter is, you remember your presupposition is the window through which you see life, interpret life, understand life, and live your life. Everybody is looking through a window, and the educational gatekeepers, the, the, the individuals who build that window, will be the ones that will shape how you interpret everything. You see, we think and we become who we are because of those who have gone for, uh, before us. The ones who tell us how to think. The ones who tell us who we are. Nobody comes in the world knowing and understanding anything. We're babies. Everyone has to learn from those who know more than them. Initially, that's parents. It also becomes our educational systems, too. These authorities, primarily in our homes and in our schools, they are the ones that tell us how to think, what to think. 
And so whether it's the complexities of math or how to drink from a sippy cup, all children are dependent on others who serve as their authorities. You are the way you are because someone told you how to think and what to believe. Of course, none of those authorities are operating from the position of objective truth because there are no neutral facts. The people who have the authority, the voices in your life that shape you, they're looking through a window as well. They have their own presupposition. Every person uses an interpretive filter to understand ideas, people, and circumstances. And because there is no unbiased information, because all data runs through the individual's unique filter, the things you learn from others is their interpretation of the facts. You could say that all of us learned from recycled truth, the recycled truth of others. And so the person who is the governing authority of your life, or the people, they got their truth from someone who got their truth from someone who got their truth from someone ad infinitum. And whoever your authorities are, again, they will be the ones that shape how you think about yourself how you think about everything else. These authoritative shaping influences start influencing you at your birth. And then you start building your interpretive filter. Now, by the time you're 10 years old, your foundational filter, it will be set for the most part, predominantly. Though your ideas and and your worldview will evolve as you grow older, the cement setting effect from your early years will linger to some degree all of your life. If you spent time with folks with dementia, for example, they might not know what they had for breakfast this morning, but they can tell you so much about the first 10 years of their lives, the first 15 years of their lives. If you've done counseling with 50-year-old men or women, for example, I've had more than one 50-year-old man tell me all he ever wanted was for his daddy to approve him, to accept him in some way. Saying that through tears, he's reflecting back to those first 10 or 15 years of his life. Historically, the primary shaping influence in our culture was the worldview of marriage and family, as understood through and applied from the Bible. That has always been, or at least here in America, the primary shaping influence, marriage and family, as understood from the Bible. This idea of God and country in America, there's a reason we say God and country, because it has always meant that the Christian worldview is what shapes our country. Of course, the early temptation in the garden that I referenced earlier in Genesis 3-6 is always crouching at the door of society, looking for ways to pounce and subvert the commonly accepted Christian perspective, and that is what has happened in America. These aberrant movements, these other worldviews, these other interpretive filters, what they want to do is they want to disconnect humanity from the historical Christocentric anchor point by introducing another view that 
honestly, it taps into our most selfish desires. These false forces, they tell you what to believe. They tell you how to think. They tell you what is best for you based on their interpretation of right and wrong. They penetrate families. They storm the educational institutions with one aim, to destroy historical Christian beliefs that have provided the presupposition and roadmap historically to living well in this world. In the past, whatever our thoughts and our desires were, we had a way of interpreting them. If they were evil, according to the Bible, we could think of them accordingly as evil, and we could gain victory over them because the Bible teaches us how to gain victory over our sinful desires. The Bible was the primary means that gave us our interpretation of such matters. And from that point of departure, we had our marching orders, which led to a peace that passes all understanding It led to unity. It led to fulfillment. What I'm speaking of here is the primary way of addressing and gaining victory over human depravity. Human depravity means that we are broken. It means that we're entirely depraved, incapable of solving the riddles of our lives, and we are in desperate need of divine intervention as prescribed by God's Word. Today, the counterculture argument is no longer crouching at the door. It's the dominating teaching of our culture. It counters the perspective of the Bible. It says that we are inherently good. It says that our desires are proper. It says that we must find the path to satisfy whatever it is that we feel inside of ourselves. Now, both of these perspectives are correct. I put this in quotation marks because I want you to slow down and and think about this. Both of these perspectives, the Bible says that we are are inherently broken, totally depraved. The Bible says that we are, uh, or the culture says that we are inherently good. Both of them are correct in that they both say that there is something wrong with us and we must figure out what that is so that we can feel better about ourselves. Now, the society, again, they start with the, we are good people with good desires, and we need to learn how to fulfill them. That's their perspective. The Bible teaches that we are woefully broken and irreparably damaged without the imposing power of Christ regenerating us. And so the goal of Christianity is not to give us a path to satisfy all of our desires, but to lead us to Jesus so we can evolve into the best image of ourselves, which is Christ-likeness. That process is to be born again, to be born a second time. And then after your regeneration, you enter into an indoctrination program. It's called progressive sanctification. And this leads to the end goal, which is formation into the image of Christ. Ironically, both of these worldviews, they do have similarity. The cultural worldview of satisfying all your desires and, and the Bible's worldview of, of salvation and sanctification, both these worldviews begin at the same place, at our birth, as I was saying earlier. Whoever has the authority is the one that starts indoctrinating right from your birth. Both of them agree that, yeah, there is something wrong with us, and we need to fix it. Both of them want authority and persuasive power 
over our lives. Christians want persuasive power so that you can be indoctrinated, so that you can have peace that passes all understanding. Of course, the world wants authority and persuasive power over your life as well. Both of them send us to extreme opposites of each other. And I want you to listen to this carefully. Both of these worldviews are subjective. Since none of us can know with absolute, absolute certainty that our way is the right way, thus what you have here is you have to choose the path that you're going to take by faith. It is a faith issue. Society teaches their doctrines by faith, and so do Christians. Every person lives by faith, though the objects of our faith can be wildly different. The object of the Christian faith is Jehovah Lord. He is the telescope that we look through, and He is the object of our faith, and He is the direction that we are heading. A Christian's marching orders come from the Bible. Now, the object of society's faith is the self-actualized human that releases each person to be whatever their hearts desire. The Christian's faith brings humanity to a communal point where we are all collected in one diverse group worshiping Christ through eternity. And you'll always see community with the Christian worldview. We bring people together, even in our diversity. We enjoy an echo of this worldview today because of the already but not yet lives that we live. We are already enjoying this diverse communal privilege of being in Christ, but the full reality of it is not yet happening but awaits in heaven. Society's faith does not lead to a diverse communal endpoint. Their faith fractures individuals. It fractures communities and countries into an each-to-his-own mindset. The fracturing reaches all aspects of society and divides groups and, and races and sexes and religions, and it divides generations. That's what the society's faith does. Every person is right in their own eyes, which inevitably ends with escalating dysfunction function, determine individualism and acrimonious competitiveness. Brothers attack brothers, children attack parents, neighbors attack neighbors, and the survival of the fittest survives. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 10. He said, brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and, and have them put to death, and, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. The critical point in this human tug-of-war between these two faith options is who has authority over our lives. We have the same point of departure at birth. The most significant shaping years are the first ten, and the epicenter of the battle is over naming rights. Who should identify? Who should label? Who should propose solutions? For what is wrong with us. An example of our shared brokenness and the competing voices who want to tell us what is wrong with us and what we need today to do today is our current sexual confusion. 
Before the last couple of decades, there was a universal assumption that answered the sexual confusion question. We're either male or female, according to God's word. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And it was the parents, the educational gatekeepers, the parents were the one who shared this knowledge with their children. A baby is either a boy or a girl, and there are no other options. Of course, the last couple of decades has seen the rise of a counter-authority that says you cannot know for sure if you are a boy or a girl. Because of the fracturing of, the, of marriage and family and the, the insertion of, of this new authority, now we have another option that says, in essence, quote, we don't know. Regardless of what your visible autonom- uh, anatomy indicates, the way that they came to this conclusion, and this is interesting, I want you to think about this, was by interacting with children and teens and adults who were struggling with their depravity, like same-sex attraction, which is a common struggle for so many people, or opposite gender preferences. I'm a boy, but I'd rather dress like a girl. I'd rather play with girl things and other desires that do not meet the collective expectations of that gender according to the Bible. And so the way that they came to this conclusion of of what the answer is is by talking to these uh, youth and these adults. And rather than helping the confused soul work through those dominating thoughts— What the culture did is they went back to the beginning and said that, you know, even though you have a a penis, it's obvious you're not a boy, or it's obvious that you're not a typical boy. And so they observed the end result of depravity. And then based on what they were observing, they went back and, and changed biology. They started with the problem, a struggling adult, and trekked back to their birth, dismantled the historical objective evidence of what biology has always meant, and stated that you can't know for sure. The child must become an adult before deciding. What they are saying is this, we're going to let your unleashed depravity grow and mature into whatever you want it to become. And at that point, you can determine who you are and what you want to be. James talked about it like this in James 1. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived birth or conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown brings forth death. And so what the culture has done, they have looked at fully grown sin in an individual's life. And rather than working on that problem from a bibliocentric perspective, they just went back and rewrote history, rewrote biology. Oh, the reason you're this way is because you never were a boy in the first place. So let's change that. Now you can continue to be whatever you want to be. Well, guess what? As you continue to be whatever you want to be, because you have now rewritten history and biology, it will not get any better for you. You will never have shalom of the soul, no matter what you recodify. The Bible tells another story. Their story is the degradation of humanity. 
and that our best course of action is to attack this problem at its root, at birth. Christians do not believe you should permit a deadly dragon to grow into mature adulthood without bibliocentric intervention and shaping. We admit and we own our depravity. We don't try to rewrite the books. And we perceive the vital need to, to shape our degradation, our, our internal wickedness, our inherent depravity into another type of person, a, a perfect person named Jesus. Uh, Paul said it this way in Colossians 1.28. Now, we proclaim him, meaning we proclaim Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For those wondering why there is so much sexual confusion, you will always find the answer in the dominant authority in the culture, which, again, it will always be counter to the Bible because the Bible has an answer for sexual confusion. The Bible offers help for sexual confusion, which is a call for all of us to learn how to care for people who are struggling in this confused way. Today, that shaping voice in the culture's life primarily is not the Bible, and you see the splintering and the confusing results. America has never been so free and economically vibrant. We are the envy of the world in those two ways. But think about this. Our suicide rates are up. We're more free, more economically vibrant. But our suicide rates are up. That's what I was saying earlier, that you, if you continue to give in to your desires, even if you change biology, suicide rates are up. Life expectancy has been declining for a few years now. Depression is at an all-time high. Homelessness is rampant. And young people are more confused than at any time in our history. The one thing, and here's a big point that I really want you to think about, the one thing that coincides with these startling trends, suicide rates, life expectancy, depression, homelessness, and confusion is the overt and hostile shift from a biblically literate culture to an illiterate one. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. If you're confused and struggling with who you are and how you are to fit into this world, I urge you to think about what I'm saying here. There is a way out of your confusion. And though it's countercultural, I know it's countercultural. It's also archaic. And for many people, it's simplistic. It's really not, but that's, that's what the publicity says. That's what the PR people of the culture say. The Bible is your path to freedom. You need objective truth as laid out in the Bible. You do not need new truth. The new truth that is taking over our culture is... Increased suicide rates, lower life expectancy, increased depression, homelessness, and confusion. That's the new truth. That's the new way. You do not need new truth. You need old truth. In 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, for the foolishness of God 
is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you continue to embrace the indoctrinating ideas and practices of the culture, you'll continue to escalate your confusion and dysfunction. You might not believe this now, but remember that sentence that I just said. Because if you get five years from now, you will see, if you continue to embrace the indoctrinating ideas and practice of the culture, you'll continue to escalate your confusion and dysfunction, and you'll see it escalated from where it is today to where it is five years from now. And you think back on this. The evidence of what I'm saying is not subjective. You see it every day. Lives are spiraling into darker chaos and you'll always find a counter-biblical worldview that they hold on to. Now, the first question for all of us is, where do we begin? There are two answers, and the answers are sequential, 1A, 1B. The first part is that you must start with yourself. Do you believe the Bible is God's truth for you, and it provides you with the answers you need to live well on earth? The next question is about you influencing others so you're making a dent in the chaos. What do you believe about the Bible, and how are you impacting others with your bibliocentric worldview? Questions 1A and 1B. Parents are, the most, are in the most critical position. If you have a child, you must be giving them a, a biblical presuppositional filter, which will enable them to think well about themselves, about life, and others. Now, if you have any questions about this podcast or need help with implementing a bibliocentric worldview into your life, please ask. We have free community forums brought to you freely by those who support our ministry. I also want you to study this article that I have here. I would love for you to share it with others. And also read the embedded articles in this piece. Thank you so much for listening. How to make sense of today's sexually confused culture. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.